okay, I can take on the next challenge. And if I get humiliated, if I mess up, yeah. I'm still going to have friends. My family's still going to be there for me. I'm still healthy. It's all going to be okay. If you're a person who's looking to have more purpose in your life, if you're saying to yourself, I don't want to just go to work, I want to do my life's work, this is the show. This is the show, Don't Keep Your Day Job. How do you figure out how to take your passion and turn it into a profit? Life is too short not to wake up every day excited. You've got something that you've got to share with the world. I'm positive. That's why you're here. The show will not just give you inspiration, but some real life tools that you can start to take some real action week after week so that you can not just go to work and build someone else's dream. You can do the thing that you've always truly wanted to do. Make yourself the happiest version of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so happy that you're here. 2018, this is going to be your year. Thanks to Slack for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Slack is a collaboration hub for work that makes sure the right people in your team are always in the loop and key information is always at their fingertips. Learn more at slack.com. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. How's everyone doing? How was your weekend? I just came back from Portland. I've never been there before. It was so awesome. I was hanging out with Chris Gillibo and some amazing souls at the World Domination Summit. It was really, really a powerful event. I was so honored to give a keynote there, and I highly recommend that you um, check out Chris Gillibo's work and everything that he's putting together. He's an incredible person who's helping people to be empowered, to raise their voice, and to put great things in the world. You can also, as, uh, as sort of the months move on, I'm sure that online somewhere you'll be able to find videos of um, this past weekend's event because you can go ahead and YouTube some of the past speakers There's been phenomenal people there like Brene Brown and Jonathan Fields and many others. So go ahead and take a look. Um, I love the comments and feedback you guys sent for last week's episode with Julia Cameron. She is amazing, right? Really, really special person. And like I said in that episode, I was really bummed that the audio was not super great. I was actually really scared to go ahead and hit publish, but I'm really glad that we did, you know? There's some things in life that you are insecure about and you're feeling are not good enough. And that was a great example. Like we put that episode out and it seemed like it was worth doing because um, people seem to really love it. And I'm so glad that I uh, pushed through my own insecurity and, and put that episode out. Here are some of the things you guys said about the episode. So Jacqueline posted on Facebook, love this episode in all caps. I'm a huge fan of the artist way and morning pages. I came back to them after more than a week away just this morning and it feels so good. This changed my life. Shannon also said, I was so excited to see this interview pop up. The artist way and her books, Walking in This World and The Vein of Gold have been the foundation for the life I live now. I love looking back at what I've underlined so many years ago. Thank you for doing this interview. Hope it leads people to their truest callings. Even Matt Del Negro, uh, who we had on the show a few weeks ago, Uh, he said her book was so with many many o's so helpful to me on my journey I quote her theory of people taking shadow artist jobs all the time it's on my shelf two feet away from me right now I'm pretty sure I've referred to it on my podcast she is a legend so thank you guys so much for those comments means a lot truly lights me up to see that these conversations are speaking to you and giving you that push to really get in touch with your creative passion or whatever it is that you love to do and not be scared to go ahead and do more of it. And I'm super excited because I'm certain that this week's guest is really going to inspire you. His name is Lewis Howes. He's a best-selling author, a super popular podcaster, an entrepreneur of multi-million dollar businesses, former pro football player, basically a man who's created an empire that's founded on the mission of serving the world. And it's mind-boggling to comprehend all that he's accomplished. You might have already heard his chart-topping podcast, The School of Greatness, which has been downloaded now over 70 million times. Can you believe that? Um, It's an amazing show about finding out what makes the greatest people great and how to apply those lessons to your life. He interviews the most brilliant business minds, world-class athletes, highly influential celebrities, other best-selling authors, and thought leaders. It's so empowering and rich with valuable takeaways, so I definitely recommend that you go listen to it after this episode. His best-selling books include The School of Greatness, which is a real-world guide to living bigger, loving deeper, and leaving a legacy. And he has another book, The Mask of Masculinity, How Men Can Embrace Vulnerability, Create Strong relationships and live their fullest lives. He plays on the USA men's national handball team, which competes against other Olympic teams. And if that wasn't enough, he's got an upcoming series for Facebook Watch, a documentary coming out. He also teaches online courses, holds an event called Summit of Greatness, and he's always on the lookout for how he can contribute even more to the world. So without further ado, the powerful Lewis House. 
Lewis, thank you so much for taking the time to do the show. I appreciate it. Thanks, Kathy. It's like amazing to see what you've created and how many lives you're touching and how many people are feeling like they can kind of get through another day because of you. It's really amazing. Thank you. I want to talk about a lot of sort of how you got there and what we can learn from it because I know one of your passions is really helping people fish for themselves and Mm -hmm. dream as big as they can. Before we kind of get into some of the strategy and some of what you teach and your wisdom, let's just talk about your story a little and how you you arrived where you are. I grew up in a a small town in Ohio called Delaware, Ohio, and just always felt alone. I was the youngest of four kids. You know, so the story I told myself that I was, you know, like no one wanted to hang out with me and I didn't have any friends. Right. And those stories continued through school with being put in the special needs classes, with, Mm. you know, struggling in school, having a hard time reading aloud and just reading in general and comprehending things. And so I put all my energy towards sports once I realized like, okay, this school thing isn't, is tough. It's really challenging and I'm getting made fun of. And, you know, I've got to figure out some way to survive. And for me, that was sports. I was one of the tallest kids. So I put all my energy and and really anger into just kind of moving my body and playing basketball and football and soccer, any sport I could, because that's where I got my worth. My my self-worth was tied to winning and being valuable on sports teams. So that, that took me down the path of really wanting to pursue professional sports. And I played professional football for about a year and then got injured. And throughout that injury and recovery process, I lost, you know, my self-worth. My whole self-worth was tied to this dream of being a professional athlete. Right. And when I uh, wasn't able to pursue that anymore, I really had no clue what to do because I didn't graduate college yet. Wow. Um, and I was kind of like, well, what can I do? First off, I didn't want to work a normal like nine to five job. Once you get this taste of this lifestyle right. as a right. pro athlete, for me... I couldn't rationalize it. I was just like, there's no way. So for about a year and a half, I was on my sister's couch trying to just figure out life. Like, who am I? What do I want to do? You know, what's my mission? And after a year and a half, my sister said, it's time that you start paying rent because I wasn't paying for anything. I was just like <laughs> mooching off of her and right. and being like a scavenger, right? With With her food and everything. And so I said, okay, you know what? I've been here for too long. It's time to do something. And I started looking for like these sports marketing jobs because I went to school and took sports management. So I was like, okay, let me look for this and see if like my degree will help me or whatever. Yeah. I remember finally finding a job where I was like, huh, maybe I would enjoy this. And so I applied and I got an interview opportunity and I got ready for this interview. I put on like a sport jacket. I had like my nice pants on. I'm ready to walk out the door. And as I opened the door, I literally just couldn't walk out. I'd shut the door and I was just like, I can't do this because I believe that I'm going to get the job. And then the next two to five years is going to go away. And I'm actually not going to be pursuing like my true passions, my true like desires. Yeah. And I just didn't, I just knew I couldn't step back from this lifestyle and this dream that I chased of being a professional athlete. I was like, how can I recreate that then where I'm making enough money to support myself and feeling this sense of deep passion, this deep, yeah. meaningful, fulfilling work every single day. And so that's when I really kind of kicked my butt in the gear. I was like, okay, I have to do whatever it takes right now to figure out how to make money. And that became the goal early on was just like, what are the skills I have? What do I still need to master? I started going to public speaking class every single week and became oh obsessed God. with learning how to overcome my own fear of being in front of mm-hmm. people without being made fun of. Mm-hmm. Because that was a huge fear of mine my entire childhood. So I just said, you know what? I'm going to master skills that I don't have. One was public speaking started networking, started doing PR calls, sales calls. I just started learning everything, how to take an idea and bring it to the shelves. Did that for about a year. At that time, I was also building my network on LinkedIn. I was using LinkedIn as a place to find opportunities, as a place Mm -hmm. to connect with influential people. And 10 years ago, I was literally messaging people on LinkedIn, meeting them in person and interviewing them. I just wasn't recording it. 
But I oh loved connecting God, with crazy. business wow. leaders and successful sports athletes and you know spiritual leaders 10 years ago. And I would take them out. We would have coffee or lunch or whatever. And I would just interview them without you know recording it. But then I would go take action on what they would tell me mm. and then report back on the results I got. And I remember thinking to myself 10 years ago, like I'd love to one day be able to interview the most successful people in the world or influential people in the world and wow. share that with others. But I knew at that time I wasn't, I didn't have the credibility. I didn't have the reach. I didn't have the audience or the, I guess, really life experience to, to be able to relate mm -hmm. to as many people as I could. But, um, you know, fast forward 10 years, here I am. That's crazy town. That's like unbelievable achievement. I mean, look what you've done for yourself and how you've gone in the face of your fear. And Thank that you. is such an incredible thing that you can help other people with, which you are. It's pretty darn amazing. So when did you start the podcast? When was this? Um, January 2013. Yeah. So where were you at that point? I was living in New York City to pursue another dream of mine. Once I started making enough money, I was teaching people LinkedIn after that. People started asking me for one-on-one -on -one coaching. Right. And then I started doing workshops and speaking and did an online course. And that's when everything kind of took off financially. Yep. When I had enough money... After about um, a year and a half of that, I decided to move to New York City because my dream was to be an Olympian still. Mm. And I had discovered this sport called team handball, which is globally, it's kind of like soccer for the U.S. No one really plays soccer in the U.S. professionally. It's not that big. No one really watches right. it, mm -hmm. but it's huge globally. And um, I said, that's how I'm going to make the Olympics because no one plays this sport. Uh, I can be one of the best if no one's playing it. <laughs> Smart. And I moved to New York City in 2011 and lived there for a year and a half playing handball. I made the USA national team and um, my Olympic journey began. And we, we still haven't qualified for the Olympics, but I've played all over the world from Spain to Brazil to Argentina, Uruguay, Mexico, playing against Olympic teams and against national teams from other country. Wow. So that's been a passion of mine is to, you know, not just talk to people about how they've gotten there and just run a business, but continue to pursue the deep desires within my heart every single day until I no longer have those desires because I don't want to be someone who just talks. I want to be someone who is being the example. And, you know, it hasn't been easy, but it's been seven years of pain and struggle and sacrifice and training two a days with the camp, you know, traveling, doing all these things. But, you know, it's one of the greatest feelings in the world to wear the USA jersey on and have them sing the national anthem before a competition against an Olympic team. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Um, that song always makes me cry because it's yeah, it cuts deep. But um, it it's just nonstop what you've accomplished. I mean, you have you've written two books. You're a best-selling author. You've been on Ellen twice, which is pretty. I mean, that's one of the coolest things. Um, <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, pretty amazing. And you were so relaxed and adorable. And I don't know how I was you nervous. Were, you didn't seem editing. it. You didn't seem it. <laughs> Um, so you've done so many things. So now I sort of want to hack into like, how have you been able to do any of this? So I have a few questions for you. You've interviewed some of the greatest minds today, Liz Gilbert and Chris Gillibo and uh, Gretchen Rubin and Gary Vee and Brene Brown. I mean, the list goes on and on. Tony Robbins three times. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. So here's, here's the million dollar question. So what does greatness mean? What's the through line that you think is one thing you can go, this is greatness? Well, from everything I've learned from everyone, there's a number of key principles. And well, I'll talk about three. Uh, the first one is their vision is so clear on what, on what they want. These great individuals or business leaders, business men and women or athletes or spiritual leaders, they are so clear on their desire and the dream and their their greater purpose and their mission. Mm. And that clarity of vision allows them to overcome any challenge and obstacle that comes their way and allows them to create a certain sense of belief, what I call a champion's mindset. They believe in themselves so much because they believe in a greater mission. It's not about them. It's about the mission. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing is their vision. And the second thing is the champion's mindset. You know, we can have a clear vision, but if we don't believe in ourselves, we're never going to be able to even have the chance of achieving what we want if we don't right. believe. And, you know, when I watch 
great athletes get interviewed after they win the Super Bowl or, you know, win some big game or do something crazy. Right. There's usually two responses when the, the interviewer asks them, you know, how'd you do it? And the first one is the all the glory goes to the universe, whatever, like all the glory, it's coming from somewhere else. Yep. That's one type of example. And the other example is I am the greatest. I knew I was going to win. This is like the Muhammad Ali approach mm-hmm. or the, mm-hmm. you know, Mayweather, Conor McGregor approach right. where it's like, I am the greatest. I trained, I put all the work in. I have the greatest talent, the greatest work ethic, and no one can beat me. Either way, either approach, uh, you know, they have an unwavering belief in themselves and they put in years and years of work to getting that belief. It doesn't just happen overnight without talent and hard work. It's like years of dedication. But either way, it's that sense of belief. And I, I see so many people that are talented that I'm like, you need to just believe in yourself. Like, why are you constantly doubting yourself? You have all this talent. You have multiple degrees, you're a doctor, you're this, you've got years of experience, but you still don't believe. No, I believe in you, but you don't believe in you. It doesn't matter if the world believes in you. If you don't believe in yourself and you can't get over that hump, then you're never going to achieve the potential that the world can see in you. And so that's really something that I had to deal with because I never believed in myself as a kid. I always was in the bottom of the class. I was always getting picked on and made fun of. And so it was hard for me to kind of get over that hump. But then when I just became obsessed with sports and training and getting better, and when I started to win over and over and over again at every sporting event that I did, that's when I started to believe in myself. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, if I am good enough to win over and over and over and over and over again, like I believe now that I'm a talented at least in this area of my life. Right. And that did good for me. And it also hurt me because when I would lose at anything, it was like an attack on my identity. It was an attack on my worth and it would hurt my belief in myself. Mm -hmm. So it was like, I need to win at all costs, no matter what it takes. Mm. And uh, again, in some ways that was good. In other ways, it really hurt me emotionally uh, in all areas of my life if I wasn't winning or if I wasn't right or things like that. So uh, the belief, so the belief is the next thing. And then the last thing I'll talk about is life of service, you know, in the pursuit of our, our dreams and our life, I believe that some of the greatest individuals in the world, they find ways to serve humanity in that pursuit. They're giving back, whether it be financially or emotionally or their time, energy, whatever it may be, their resources, they're finding ways to give back. And I think if we're just achieving for ourselves and we're not helping others in the process, then that's a disservice. And that's, that's not greatness to me. So yeah, those are the, the examples that I see from the people yeah, that I've met. That makes so much sense. And uh, we had Seth Godin on this podcast and he said, it's about radical empathy. He said, any, mm-hmm. any person who's been successful has radical empathy. And I've heard Tony Robbins say that, that like he couldn't break past a certain amount of money until he realized he could contribute more. And if he could contribute Mm. more, it would fuel him. And it seems like that's so congruent with your, with your life's work and how much you seek to improve the lives of other people. So we have like a, a constant stream of emails coming in and messages and people have such a problem with their belief in themselves. Like you're saying, I feel like this this feeling of inadequacy or this feeling of imposter syndrome almost stops them from even beginning. So you've talked about this. You had a a recent episode where you talked about your mindset hacks. So in terms of the mindset, how do you think people can get over just enough to be even willing to begin something, this feeling of like, I'm not enough, why bother? Well, (laughs) I think you've got to fall in love with pain. And mm, embrace wow. embrace pain at a level that uh, most people try to avoid the pain. And I learned early on that in order to believe in myself, I had to just fall in love with pain. For mm. example, when I was 16, I was terrified of speaking to girls, right? I didn't have a girlfriend. You know, sure. no girls liked me. You know, this was the story I told myself, at least. Maybe there was girls that liked me, but I didn't think so. I'm and I was sure terrified would, of, to yeah. be rejected. And I, I finally like got to a place where I said, you know what, 
I just don't want to suffer anymore of this feeling of like feeling rejected or the fear of talking to girls, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you think that's like a silly example, but for me, it was like as as a 16 year old guy that wanted a girlfriend, that was like the thing. Yeah, and of course. I said to myself, you know what? Screw it. This like summer going into junior year, whatever I was going into, I said, I am going to overcome my fear of rejection, overcome my fear of not being enough, and I'm going to start with girls. And I said, anytime I see a girl that gives me some type of butterfly feeling or that I'm attracted to, I am going to walk right up to them and start a conversation. That was my goal, <laughs> was just to walk right up and start a conversation. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I was getting rejected left and right, and it sucked. And I think most people would stop, but I gave myself the commitment for the whole summer that no matter what, every time, whether I'm out riding my bike or like at the grocery store, or whatever, the pool, I am going to go say hi to a girl that I think is attractive just to practice. And, and that was the goal. And after a few weeks, I was able to go up because I'd rejected so many times that I just was like, I'm going to have fun with this. I'm just right. going to like be playful and just have fun and say hi and just not even have any agenda here just to try to connect. And I was like, wow, they're actually talking to me back. And they, you know, they said they wanted to hang out and I started to get some phone numbers and I was like, huh. And at the end of the summer, I was like, it became so natural for me to just go up to groups of wow. girls without even thinking about it, without even being like, oh, that girl's cute. Should I go up and talk to her? I would just walk right up. I wouldn't even stop and think about it. I just started walking right up and just taking that action because it didn't matter to me anymore if I was rejected or not. Mm. It didn't hurt me anymore. I wasn't suffering anymore. And once I overcame that challenge of like pain and feeling this suffering and feeling like I'm going to be alone right. and no one's going to like me and no one's going to love me, I just started to have fun with it and just made it the game. And I'll tell you what, that was one of the greatest experiments of my life at that time because it gave me so much more belief in myself. And I started taking that on in everything in my life. When it came to public speaking, I was like, I'm going to do this every single week wow. because I'm terrified of it. I did this with uh, dancing. I took salsa dancing classes for over a year and practiced three times a week, went out to the club three times a week because I was terrified to dance in front of people. Mm. I started learning guitar, you know, singing lessons, everything that I was wow. terrified of. I said, I am no longer going to allow myself to suffer. And the more and more things that I overcame from my insecurities and fears, it just stacked a level of belief and confidence in myself that was not like cocky in any way, but it was just like, okay, I can take on the next challenge. I can take it on. I can take it on. Right. And I'm going to be alive if I fail. If I get humiliated, if I mess up, yep. I'm still going to have friends. My family's still going to be there for me. I'm still healthy. It's all going to be okay. And I think the fear that people have is like their world is going to be over once yeah. they fail and get humiliated. Yep. So that fear of a failure, the fear of what are people going to think or say about me is one of the greatest prisons that we live in. Yeah. And when we can move past the place of seeking approval and needing to look good and needing to be right, then we can finally be ourselves without dealing with this pain. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's how I've done it. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I love how you're talking about like, just make friends with the pain, like feel the fear, do it anyway. Just don't wait to get over the fear. Just go right yeah. into it. And you've said many times, like in this, in, in your story so far, how the confidence would follow the action. Like you would mm -hmm. gain confidence by doing the things that you were scared of doing. Like you could Absolutely. only gain that it would confidence. no longer... I wouldn't be afraid anymore. So I was like, oh, okay, I got this. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, I've got a lot more to ask, but first, a quick ad break. Thanks to Slack for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Slack is a collaboration hub for work, whatever work you do. With Slack, the right people in your team are kept in the loop and the information they need is always at their fingertips. Teamwork on Slack happens in channels, letting you organize conversations and information around projects, offices, and teams. And because everything you need to work is in one place, it's faster and easier to get things done. With Slack, your team is better connected. You can find out more at slack.com. I literally use Slack every day in my life outside of work. I wouldn't say that I'm the most organized person. Like, I don't know necessarily where my keys are and I don't know necessarily where my daughter left her flip-flops. But with work, I have these systems dialed in and Slack is one of those things. It just helps me keep track of things and thank God for it because I'm running several different parts of my business and it's definitely helpful. Slack connects the tools and services I need in one place and it makes me more productive because I'm not switching across 
multiple tabs and platforms to keep updated with work. You can tailor Slack to work with more than a thousand apps. Plus with mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly, you can always pick up where you left off no matter where you are. Slack, where work happens. Learn more at slack.com. That's slack.com. I feel like in your book, you talk about so many things that are so applicable to our audience. And I want to touch on one of those things because I get a lot of questions from people who say, you know, I'm listening to the podcast and I'm fired up, except that I have 14 things I kind of like, and I'm not sure which one to pursue. Mm -hmm. I have multiple passions. Like, how do I choose which one? I'm sure you get this question a lot because you address this in your book. You know, I say that I'm right there with you. I've got multiple things (laughs) happening and doing, you know, like you said, you know, I got books, I'm doing three podcasts a week, I'm writing books, I'm touring, I'm speaking, I'm running online courses, doing webinars, membership site, I've got my live annual events, I've got a a talk show that I just filmed and we're editing and it's coming out in five weeks on Facebook. I've got a documentary I was filming the whole last year that just finished, I've got... You know, I'm training every single morning. I've got a girlfriend. You know, I've got all these things in my life. I'm managing a team. I'm creating video content. I'm you know, constantly creating <sighs> something. I don't think I would have been able to do that starting out. Because I have a team, because I have momentum, because I have resources, right. I'm able to take on multiple projects now. But I think you can only really do up to three things at a time mm-hmm. when you're kind of just starting out. Really, if you want something to be great, you've got to put all your energy into that one thing where you can start building something else on the backside that's going to take some time to develop. You know, I'm shooting a documentary. It took a year, but it's not like there's a lot of downtime as well. So you can work on other things during it and then film and edit on the side. So it's not like you just have to do one thing, but the thing that's going to take the most amount of time, you've got to put your energy in that. And that thing, in my opinion, should be the thing that brings you the most resources, the most income, because that income is going to allow you to uh, delegate by building some type of team or paying yeah. someone to do those tasks that take you a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And when you can free up four to six hours of your day on those things, you can focus on other projects or you can focus on generating more income. And that income, again, is going to give you that freedom, that peace of mind, and also the resources to invest in your other projects that you want to do. Yeah, that makes sense. I think you just got to be smart with it. You know, I'm I'm still hustling today, but it's a different type of hustle. I'm not doing all this other busy work that isn't going to serve in generating more income and more impact. And I really focus on those two things, income and impact. And if it's the actions that I'm taking aren't impacting people or aren't directly generating revenue for my business, then I don't need to be doing those things because I'm going to be driving force of both of those with my team and with the people around me. So I need to focus on those skills and you kind of have to like build that momentum the first year or two. And so there's things you're going to have to do to sacrifice early on in order to build momentum. It's going to happen with anyone, unless you've got a loan or you've got someone who's giving you money or something, you're going to have to put in some sweat equity for a while. And that's what I did. Unfortunately, I gained a ton of weight. I wasn't sleeping and I was obsessed with working to the point where that's all I did and that's not healthy either. So it's just about the routine, you know, making sure that you're eating well, working out and still spending a little bit of time for yourself while you're building something. But it takes time to master a skill. It takes time to develop relationships. It takes time to uh, build your audience. It takes time to do these things. And there's not really a shortcut. You just got to be, you know, it's all about the seasons. You know, it's been 10 years for me and it's had multiple different seasons where I take breaks and I recover and go hard when I'm, you know, in a playoff mode where there's a book launch or something. And for me, having a 6 a.m. wake up and a workout with a trainer is one of the greatest things I've ever done because it starts my day with building confidence, belief, and knowing that I'm taking care of my health. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm not saying everyone needs to wake up at 6 and train with a trainer, but doing something to move your body has been scientifically proven to increase happiness confidence and all those things Mm -hmm. Uh, you know 30 minutes a day and that's the key is just building in those good routines and that's another principle of greatness is uh the habits and, and developing positive habits and routine keeps us on track it allows us to track and measure things it allows us to yeah see pinpoint results, which gives us more growth, which gives us more confidence and moves things forward. Yeah. It makes sense. And you talk about that in the book, but I I imagine that 
you know, people look at you and they're like, well, he, it's easy for him. He's just such a positive person all the time. But it seems like you, you prime yourself, right? <laughs> right? I practice it all the time because I can be the most negative person in the world if I choose to well, be. Well, that I and don't I, believe, you know, as but. A, I, As a competitive athlete who wants to win all the time, I can prove and, and beat someone out on being more negative. Okay, you know, okay. if I if I really wanted to go there, because that used to be my life. Yeah, and I was just suffering too much and had so much in my own head that I would be in the fetal position for days in my bed, crying, upset, depressed, frustrated, because I felt insecure and alone. Yeah, and then. I just was like, enough is enough. Like I've been dealing with this for years. Enough is enough. What do I need to do to not feel these things anymore and to use my time more wisely? Yeah. And so I had to learn the hard way from researching and studying and interviewing people and, and reading books and you know doing everything, going to workshops, just like learning any tools that I could to be more positive and to change the narrative in my mind constantly and mm -hmm. to have better perspective. You know, I was just two weeks ago, I was in a max security prison for six hours leading a workshop for 30 murderers, oh my 30 murderers God. in a room with myself oh my who God. had all read my book about masculine vulnerability. And they were talking about how it's transformed them inside prison. Oh my and for God. me, you know, the perspective of going around the room and hearing each person say what their crime was and oh what they've learned God about damn. themselves over the last 15, 20, 30 years being in prison and and being present with these incredible stories and these men who have transformed so much for me was a joy. And it's like, man, you know, these guys are in a physical prison, but they're free in their mind. And yet there's so many people on the outside who are, who are, who are physically free, but in a, in a prison in their mind. And they have no perspective of how good we have it. And they don't have a sense of gratitude. And these men were so loving and grateful and kind. And yet they had zero physical freedoms. And so, you know, and I travel the world building schools for kids who have nothing. And it gives me so much perspective of like, wow, I live in, you know, Los Angeles, one of the richest cities in the world where there's just so much excess and, I don't need much to be happy. And I think it's just a constant awareness of perspective and gratitude to keep us happier and positive. Yeah, that's just mind blowing. There's no words for that. Um, you know, in your book and in your work, and you've talked about it already today, you talk about how it's really important to build a life of service. And you really keep talking about that. It's like a through line in this entire story. Um, I think one of the questions that comes up for people is how do you know if the life you're building for yourself, the thing that you're pursuing is really what the world wants from you? Like, how do you know if, if this is the thing or maybe there's, there's really something else? Well, it all depends. I think results, you know, if you're doing something that's getting results and people are seeing value from, right. then that's a good measurement. You know, if people are, using what you're putting out there or if they're enjoying your music or your art right. or something like that. Right. And you're, and you're helping people in some sense of the word, whether they're feeling something or they're, they're appreciating it yeah. or whatever. But if no one's appreciating anything you're doing, then there might be time to shift after a certain amount of time yeah. of giving it a shot. But if you see a few people, then you have a chance. Okay. And now let me try to get a few more to like it. And I think that's the key. But if, but also, you know, there are guitar makers that very few people see their guitars and they just love the craft and the art of it. Right. And that's fine as well. I think as, if it's bringing you a sense of joy more than anything else, great. I just know that we live in a, a world with money that we need to be making right. money <laughs> in order to survive yeah. in normal society unless we find, you know, we build our own cabin in the woods and, and we're good there. But yeah. In order to not suffer and struggle financially, if that's what we're measuring it on, it's like we need to be able to make sure that we can earn a living with the thing we love yep. or, or figure out a shift in order to do that. So yeah. There's so many people who are listening who they have a day job and they have this thing that they really want to pursue. And so they're feeling like, you know, oh, I don't have the time. And I feel like a lot of people have that excuse. You know, I don't have the time. Um, you certainly don't have any free time and you get a lot of things done. Right. So what do you think about excuses like that? Like, do you think it's really valid? Like you just don't have the time. Fair enough. 
you know, I think you just choose what's the most important thing. And for me, you know, I feel bad by saying this and maybe I'm going to get some negative feedback because I say this, but my family, my girlfriend, my friends all know that my mission comes first, that my, my vision, my mission, my desire to serve humanity as a whole will come over uh, just one person. And that doesn't mean I'm not always there for my family and not always there for my girlfriend, not always there for my friends. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm not giving to them abundantly and there for them. But if I need to go and serve, you know, the world or serve an audience or whatever it may be, or do something that I believe is part of my mission, that comes first for me because otherwise I'll be resentful that I'm not doing the thing that I want to do the most to help people. And again, it's not like I'm neglecting the people in my life or something, but that is the key. And so if I'm feeling a sense of overwhelm or stress or anxiety from something in a, in a relationship, then I'm just like, listen, we've got to figure out a way to like move past this. We've got to figure out a way to, you know, work through this, or I've got to get back to my vision. You know, it's like, I can't just sit here and wallow in this stress for months or years or allow this to happen. Like I've got to move on. And, um, it's kind of, it's trying to find that balance and that win-win with relationships and, and the mission. But that's for me, I will resent myself more if I'm like, well, I'm just going to be loyal to these three people and not do what I want to do because they'll be mad. Oh my God. I personally find what you just said so empowering because, um, you're not making apologies for what you know in your gut is what you feel. And recently a friend of mine was here and she works with people at the end of their life in their last days. And she said, every single time somebody has something that they want to share with her and they say, you know, this is the thing I'm really wrestling with in this, in these last moments. It's that they didn't live their life on their terms, that they wanted so much to do something, but they didn't want to let someone else in their family down, or they didn't want somebody else to not agree or whatever. And I feel like for myself, you know, I have three kids and they're little And a lot of moms, I think, feel this way of like tremendous guilt, you know, like, well, what if I pursued the thing that really lights me up, but it would be taking time away from this relationship? And no one says what you just said. And as a result, people look for everyone else to make them happy. It's like, well, then you make me happy. They want their relationship to be the thing that like fills them up as opposed to saying happiness is an inside job. And I... I have this mission that I'm here to do in this world, this ultimate like thing. This is my life's work. It's hard to do that. Um, so that that's huge. You have so much uh, wisdom in, in, in your podcast and your books. I feel like everybody needs to go out and grab the book and hear the podcast if they haven't already. But for people who say right now, you know, I love one ounce of what Lewis has. What do you think one of the most important things is that they should know if like if they want to be successful, have a successful podcast, have a multi you know seven figure business, a massive community. What what's one thing that you think that they should know, and what's one tangible thing you think that they should start doing? I think you got to believe in yourself more because that's what's going to allow you to overcome all the the doubts, the negativity, the stress, uh, the the conflict or the challenges that come up because there's going to be challenges with any big dream. I mean, it's just going to happen. And so if you don't believe and build that muscle, it's going to be hard to break through at the next stage of challenge. And that's one of the most important things. Um, I think also just a sense of hustle and a sense of patience at the same time. Mm. You know, this is me 10 years later where I was hustling, hustling and hustling, working very hard, but also learning, learning and learning to be smarter with my time and building a team. And, you know, I didn't know how to do all these things without experiencing them and failing and figuring it out and and learning systems that work for me for each stage of my life. And every year there's going to be a new thing to learn and a new system to implement to maximize your time, and optimize your, your, your experience. And so, Having that hustle and also having patience, you know, I'm 10 years in and I feel like I'm still just getting started. I feel like there's so much more that I haven't shared with the world or that I haven't created yet. And there's so many things that I haven't overcome. It's hard to even fathom that you feel like, yeah, I have just scratched the surface. I feel like I'm I'm a beginner, like, you know, not living in a world of comparison, but just living in a world of what's possible. And when I see other examples of what's possible out there, 
I'm like, wow, I haven't done anything still. And so for me, um, it's just want to continue to reach more people and impact. But that's that's my desire. It's not. It doesn't have to be everyone's desires like reach more people and impact people. But that's what fuels yeah. me and lights me up. Yeah. So um, I heard you. You have this great video went viral and it's awesome. And you talk about how like people don't dream big enough. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you for people who haven't seen that video? I mean, for me, I think if we're not chasing the thing that really excites us slash scares us, then what's the point? I mean, just to be comfortable and just to like coast through life. I just don't know if that's what we're supposed to be doing. I feel like we're, as human beings, we're supposed to grow and we're supposed to make this place better than when the way we found it and the way we came into this place. And if we're not actively doing something daily to impact others, and that could be, you know, just the people around you. It doesn't have to be the world. But if we're not actively trying to grow and make our own world better, then I don't know if it's going to be a fulfilling life for us at the end of the day. I don't know if we're going to look back in the last year of our life and be like, man, I wish I would have like cared more about people or done, you know, done the thing that I cared about. Like you said, your friend did when she did interviewed a bunch of people who were in their last days. And so that just, you know, it's what I think about. Yeah. It's just one, you know, I could be gone tonight, tomorrow, you know, in years or who knows. And I want to know at least that I gave everything that I could during my time. Yeah. It's really, really beautiful. And, um, you're, you're living, you're living fully alive. And, um, as we're wrapping up, I feel like one thing that I want to ask you, cause I feel like it's, it's relevant. You know, you've, you've done so many things and you make it look so easy. You've written, books, bestseller, great, huge podcast. You like literally kind of like make it look so easy how you seamlessly just have grown this huge empire, but it doesn't happen that way for everyone who tries it. And so what do you think makes your podcast stand out? Why do people come back to you? What do you think is the ingredient Mm. that's making it stand out and people listen and they come back. I think I get people to open up in ways that they typically don't. And people always tell me after they listen to a certain episode, they're like, I can't believe you got so-and-so to say mm. that. I can't believe you got this person to, to open up about this part of his life. Mm. And I think that keeps people intrigued to be like, oh man, what does this person get to say right. this time? Um, so I think that's one area. I think I'm also not focused on one lane. I'm not just focused on like entrepreneurs or business or something. I'm, I'm really exploring all of life and people of all walks of life at the greatest level. And I think that attracts a certain, you know, type of person. It maybe doesn't attract certain people who just want to know one thing, but it attracts a certain level of people. And then I think my ability to continue to work on myself and grow and improve my communication and interview skills helps as well. So I'd say a combination of those three things has, uh, has helped. Yeah. I think you also have this really genuine curiosity and you, I think yeah. you, you really listen and you really, really care. And I think people can feel that right. you can tell. Yeah. So what's going on right now? What do you want us to go sort of soak up that you're building, that you're creating? Like, where should you be sending us to? Yeah, just my my site, my my podcast, uh, you know, everything's at lewishouse.com. And uh, my, my latest book, The Mask of Masculinity, has been a game changer for a lot of men and for a lot of women who want to understand the men in their lives better and have healing in their life and, and suffering in their life. So that's been a, a very rewarding experience for that last book. And then um, I've got a new show coming out on Facebook Watch called Inspiring Life with Lewis Howes mm. comes out in five weeks. That is so cool. What made you want to take a, a slight turn and write a book on ma- masculinity and vulnerability? I felt like it was uh, a duty. I felt like something that was speaking to me, the more I was talking about in my own suffering as a man, internal suffering and, and not knowing how to get through certain things and and realizing what's available on the other side, other men started to tell me how much it meant to them and, and you know, everything that they were going mm-hmm. through. And I realized 
a lot of men were suffering inside. Yeah. And you see a lot of this suffering coming out into the world with you know domestic violence, sexual right. harassment, rapes, um, <sighs> everything with the Me Too Time's Up, everything from the racial marches last year yeah. to the political dis-ease to all the killings that are happening. It seems like every week there's another school shooting or bombing yeah. or mass shooting in Vegas, like the common denominator for all these actions in the last couple of years, except for one experience was they were all men. And oh why? You know, because you don't do that unless you're in pain. Mm -hmm. You're not this loving human being who doesn't hold grudges or doesn't feel like, you know, People don't love them right. and do that. And so why are men in so much pain that they feel the need to cause these actions? And that's what I wanted to explore. And, um, and what do you think you it know, is? Share and what, do you, what do you think is the reason that they're in that much pain? Well, that's a whole other topic. But if people check out the book, they'll see every reason why. Well, it's amazing that you decided to get in there and explore that. It's very bold. Um, and I think that you're right. I think that there is so much of that suffering. And I think vulnerability is strength, really, and a superpower. And I think men are yeah. taught not to be vulnerable and not to share. And you just kind of push it down. But where is it going? Nowhere. So it's going to come out. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you are just adorable, delightful, smart. I can't think of anybody who is a student of life as much as you who then do it. I hope that if people are listening to this episode, that if they're feeling inspired, they commit to do something about what you just said, because that's for yeah. me, the take home of you is like, people can explore things and they can take classes. And then you're the one who goes, and then I actually went ahead and did something about it. So yeah. it's amazing to hear. Do you have anything you want to leave us with anything we didn't touch on any last words, anything you want to leave them with? Yeah. I mean, when I realized that I mattered in the world, that's when everything started to shift for me. So I would just say that, you know, if you're listening to this and you feel any type of struggle or suffering or challenge in your life, just always remember that you matter and you're here for a reason. And it's, it's your job to pursue the thing that brings you the most joy because that joy is going to, in effect, inspire your family and the people around you to be more joyful mm. and feel more loved. And that's going to inspire them to do the thing that they love. That's beautiful. And so continue to understand that you matter. Yeah. And uh, do the thing you love. That was amazing. Thank you for your time. Well, how inspiring was that? I love talking with Lewis and he had so many great takeaways to share. Here's a few. Number one, have a clear vision, a clear mission. You'll be able to overcome the challenges because it's not about you. It's about the mission. Number two, believe in yourself. It doesn't matter if everyone else believes in you. You won't make it happen if you don't believe in yourself. Number three, lead a life of service. Don't achieve for yourself, but serve someone else in the process. Number four, fall in love with pain. Embrace the pain. Have fun with it instead of suffering in fear. Number five, create a routine that builds positive habits, pinpoints results, and move things forward. Number six, even if your work is appreciated and enjoyed by only a few people, that's a good sign. Number seven, have a sense of hustle and patience. Keep learning as you fail and grow your experience. Number eight, don't live in a world of comparison. Live in a world of what's possible. Number nine, if we aren't chasing the thing that really excites us or scares us, then what's the point? And number 10, you matter. You're here for a reason. It's your job to pursue the thing that gives you the most joy. It will inspire the people around you to do the same. I mean, I really feel like that sums it up. It's amazing to me that, uh, you know, after all that he's learned and all the people that he's met, it really comes back to such simple truths. And it has so much to do with knowing that you're worthy of such an incredible life and knowing that what you have to say matters. And I just keep reminding you guys that nobody else is you and no one ever was and no one ever will be. So please stop second guessing yourself. Please stop trying to be perfect. Perfect is so much the enemy of so much because we have to be willing to be where we are and brave enough to show up. And you're welcome. Scars and all, bruises and all. Please remember your vulnerability is such a strength and it's truly what everyone's craving. And I think you already have everything you need. I think you already have those ruby slippers on and uh, you're already there. 
So now I want to share a few listener wins, which is always one of my favorite things about this podcast. Last week, I posted on Instagram a picture that says screw perfect. And I absolutely love the comments that you guys posted. Alex at Alex Blackwelder said, literally sat on this post for a hot minute, then finally checked publish on my new venture and new Instagram. Thank you, Kathy. That's awesome. That's so cool, Alex. Thank you so much for sharing that. If you want to give her some love on her new Instagram page, it's at Alex Blackwelder and she's a brand photographer. So if anyone needs some help with that, maybe she could point you in the right direction. Also, Stephanie at eat.love.wellness said, this post is exactly what I needed ever since my bestie at Sarah Momo Romero introduced me to Don't Keep Your Day Job. I've been inspired and more courageous to follow my dreams and live the life I've imagined. Yesterday, I launched my at Eat Love Wellness Instagram page and started working on getting my blog up and running. Thank you, Sarah and Kathy for pushing me out of my comfort zone. First of all, thank you, Stephanie. That's amazing. Super excited for you. You guys make sure to give Stephanie some love too. Her Instagram is at eat.love.wellness. And it looks like she'll have her website coming soon too. Second of all, yes. Thank you, Sarah, for spreading the word about the podcast. It's incredible to see how lives are changing and the goodness is coming out of this little show. And it's only possible because of generous souls like you. Thank you guys. If you guys want more daily inspiration, come on over and follow me on Instagram at kathy.heller, C-A-T-H-Y dot H-E-L-L-E-R. And if you like this episode, share it with someone who you think will enjoy it, who it might inspire. It means the world to us. And if you go ahead and follow me on Instagram, you'll see that not only do I do daily posts, but I do a lot of giveaways. I just gave away um, some gift cards to Anthropology, And I've been doing that a lot because I'm so grateful for the support. And I want to just keep giving back to you guys and letting you know that I feel the love. It means the world to me. I know you have a million things that you could do with your time. And it's super cool that you choose to spend it here listening to this show. And I'm honored. I don't take that time for granted. I uh, will leave you guys with a song and I'll talk to you next week. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. When your car won't start, when he broke your heart, the lights all turn to red. When you pay the cost, when your dream gets lost, spinning circles in your head.